0: This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, Episode 087.
1: Welcome to the show created by vets featuring absolutely no pets. This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, created by Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. Our resident veterinarians have swapped out their stethoscopes in favor of microphones to bring you the Veterinary Project Podcast, a show focused on real conversations aimed to connect this amazing profession full of remarkable people. Through the sharing of collective stories and wisdom, and connecting over the many unique challenges we face, we invite you to join our community of veterinary professionals leading intentional lives. And now, let's get started with another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Hey
0: everyone, welcome back. Another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Dr. Michael Bug, Dr. Jonathan Light. What's happening today, Jonathan?
2: A lot is happening today. The schedule is full. I did that. Now I've got to follow through with it. And therefore, that means that your hyperactive energy, I'm hyperactive energy, always makes for
0: a great episode, in my view. This one will be fun. I'm excited. So we are going to dive in uh, to five personal lessons from Jonathan Light around vet clinic ownership. So Bridgeland Vet Clinic, you opened in August 2021. So you're around nine months officially as a veterinary clinic owner. Obviously you have, you know, what a decade of experience like in operating vet clinics and like being in the vet industry, but actually being the owner of a veterinary clinic. So I'm excited to dive in. I am going to rewind slightly here because This is comical to me. So obviously you and I chat a lot. We're recording podcasts and we're chatting outside the podcast. You run your schedule tight. Like, honestly, for me, it's to the point of chaotic where I'm just like, holy shit, man, you need a personal assistant. Um, And true to form, this is hilarious. We're recording this episode. We have a firm stop because you're jumping into the Bridgeland uh, leadership meeting and being the owner and being the leader, you cannot be late for that meeting. I love that part. It is my job to ensure that I am
2: not late for meetings, let alone the meetings that I have set up myself. And it's, uh, uh, it is funny how that works in life because certain individuals could care less about that. And then there's certain individuals that could. And one of my predecessors in terms of bosses really cared about it and kind of put that into me as well. Now, as you and I were joking about earlier, it's I have to say no more, which is a problem in order to be able to allow my schedule the flexibility it does, both for my mosaic work, personal life, and Bridgeland. It's, a, it's always a work in progress, as anybody in this situation knows.
0: Yes. Okay. Well, with that, we better get going on the episode because we got good stuff in here. I've, I saw your notes in advance. Let's jump right in here. Lesson number one, the grind is real. Yeah. Let's
2: talk about that one. Number one. And for, uh, again, the last four and a half years prior to joining Mosaic and joining uh, Bridgeland, uh, I was with VCA in in a big role there. And I really enjoyed that role. And there was a lot there in terms of stress and planning and forward look. But at the end of the day, I don't think that was anything comparatively to now owning multiple businesses. The grind, whether it's 6am, a a security note comes through, nine o'clock at night, like I was last night with one of my veterinarians on a call that was really important. It happens at all days, nights, weekends. It doesn't matter. And truthfully, that's what's needed. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Classic quote, for sure. This is something that I'm seeing in veterinary medicine right now. Uh, The buck stops with you as the business owner. My teams help. They build the processes. They're amazing. But at the end of the day, somebody has to be ultimately responsible, and that equals the grind because you got to be ready for that. To me, that's something that, even though in a big role prior, it is on a whole new level.
0: Okay. I have so much to say on this one. We're gonna blow extra time on this topic, I think. And full disclosure for all of our listeners, I am not a veterinary clinic owner. I I always want to be very transparent. I own, you know, our real estate business, but some of the things this makes me think about is getting through that gap. So whenever you start something new, it's very exciting. So opening a vet clinic, that would be very exciting and scary, but exciting. And then there's the lull, the honeymoon period wears off, but the results aren't quite there yet, right? Everyone thinks you open a business, you, you make all this money, there's all these financial rewards. The truth is you got to get through that gap. And that is a grind. Like even when the excitement's gone, but the rewards aren't there yet. At Bridgeline Vet Clinic, Uh, One of our new employees
2: stated, really, I I love this comment. She said, Jonathan, I've never in 11 years, and she's been in a clinic manager role, had anybody share the financials to the degree and understanding that when you say we're in the negative, we're in the negative. Welcome to cash flow 101 in first year of owning a vet clinic. That is the reality. And if you don't emotionally know how to deal with that, uh, the grind gets even harder. And that's what
0: it is. Yeah. And then the the last comment I want to say is I I would say this relates really well to veterinarians when picture being a veterinary student in your third or your fourth year doing some sort of clinical case, but you know that you're being overseen by a, a veterinarian, a fully licensed veterinarian that has to sign their name on the case. It just energetically is totally different than when you're the veterinarian that has to make the diagnosis or, you know, do the surgery or recommend the procedure. It's a totally different level of responsibility. And I see that as a business owner, uh, Rosalie, my wife, I don't know what time she was up till last night. Cause I went to bed and, you know, to bed later than me and up earlier than me as a business owner, you're right. It doesn't stop. And, and there's where, uh, so much respect
2: for people that then do go from being an employee to an owner. And I see that in the vet space right now, there's opportunity a field everywhere in the veterinary space. I just clap my hand because again, I'm just one of those individuals, no special, no different than any other business owner that has looked at that as an opportunity, but also recognizes the grind is coming.
0: Yeah. Last thing on this, and we'll move on is I think, uh, maybe there's a myth that floats around or the the ideal of being this business owner where, you know, the system runs and you don't have to show up. You're at the beach somewhere and you own a magical business that just prints money for you. And it's like, well, that's pretty false, you know. But
2: it's the exact opposite. And there's the part where I think as business owners, we need to do a better job of sharing that with our, our employees. Uh, it's tough when employees are feeling it, the mental drain, all the pieces that go along with it. Uh, recognizing that employers are also feeling at it because especially in the vet space here in terms of the veterinary shortage, I was chatting with a friend and colleague yesterday. If there's not enough bets, guess what? The work ends up on that owner's shoulders and it's not going away right now. Now, is that a choice? Yes, it is. But it's a choice and honor and time that if you've built up that vet practice over time, you're not letting those producers and hang at all or 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 not be able to seek services this is a tough part where we're in veterinary medicine is it does often end up on the older shoulders especially those that are still in actual practice
0: okay well we better keep moving so you can do it on time for your meeting okay number two you said blocks and delays in areas you didn't expect but you also had in there oh shit moments i'm going with oh shit moments
2: (laughs) completely this is those Things that you could not have foreseen and if you did foresee, good on you, but then something else is going to come in the way. Uh, One of those pieces, and again, chatting this with really good friends, architectural structure of the buildings that you're looking to go into. There's always unknowns in there. They could be minor, they could be major, but you don't have any clue before you go in there what it's going to look like. And even after an engineer has gone through it. There's still then, as you're building out that property, what comes up during, whether that is plumbing. I literally just had a plumber into Bridgeline this morning, fixing drains that, hey, for for in my lease, they should have been fixed. Who's responsible for it? I still need to get it done because I need my team to be able to work in that space. Number two, negotiations. There are so many negotiations that have to happen with vendors, landlords, employees, Um outside sources related to marketing that you you cannot foresee all of the discussions that are going to need to take place in order for that clinic to be successful and or even frankly, just to move forward. That was a big uh, aha on top of what I already knew. Three, COVID. COVID threw a loop into everything. And COVID is that unknown that continues to say, how am I trying to foreshadow shadow and plan what the next six months is going to look like when you know The government isn't able to do that when our experts aren't able to do that. Those are unknowns. Lastly, security. Unfortunately for Bridgeland, we're at a time right now where we've actually been broken into twice in the last month. First time, understood it. Second time, man, was I pissed off and still am. And so you need to make plans. You need to also learn from that and you need to make changes really quick. So we're still in the middle of that. How are we dealing with that? How do we ensure the safety of our employees how do we ensure the safety of our team? And then lastly, to ensure the safety of our business. That is a complete unknown. I did not, I, I i knew about Bridgeland, but not to the degree that now we're learning in the community. How do you deal with that?
0: Yeah, yeah, there's no courses in vet school on, this is how you respond to people throwing rocks through your window and breaking in and stealing stuff.
2: Correct, Bridgeland, Mosaic, you name it. That is a reality of any business in 2022.
0: Yeah, I think the, the only thing really I wanna add on this one is, you're just never going to know. And so it. This is, this is the opposite in some ways. Now, obviously, you want to have a plan and rough idea, like obviously where you're going, but you can't map out every step. There's going to be stuff that you just have no clue that's coming your way. And so I think of like analysis paralysis, people waiting and like, I, go, I got to know everything before I'm going to make this move. It's like, you're not going to. So you just that's have right. to be comfortable being uncomfortable and facing unknowns. Love
1: it.
2: And you've got to pull the trigger. You have to make a choice and then be responsible for that choice. And sometimes oh, I'm going to write a book at the end of my career on wrong choices, because sometimes you've made the right one based on the unknowns, your gut, your planning. And sometimes you make the right ones. Sometimes
0: you make really good ones. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Switching a little bit. Lesson number three, because this isn't all, this isn't all negative and that's not what we're trying to portray things that you found came to love that you didn't expect. Yeah, so business ownership
2: um, and having been in lead roles in the past, a couple of pieces, I had worked through project architecture at a different level in my past role. And I really do like construction and building. And that portion of uh, the Bridgeland building in particular, working through those pieces that would seem to be insurmountable obstacles at the time, Example, walls that can't move, HVAC units and, and uh, negotiations with individuals that really have no end in sight, lack of staff in the veterinary shortage and walking through those step-by-steps, those are all pieces that I have loved to do over the past year and two years with Mosaic more than I thought I would. And there is personal joy and there's also personal gain in the experience through that process of going, well, I screwed that up the first time, the second time, the third time, but I got it the fourth time. Wow. Is there some personal uh, joy in that, which is not described through making money, seeing more clients, etc. cetera, it is described through walking through those obstacles and clinic ownership in my view allows you that. And that is a big win.
0: Yeah. The thing that jumped out to me there that I love how you said it is joy in the experience. And I, you know, I would argue I would be in the camp that if you're going to go into veterinary clinic ownership, simply because you want the result, which I'm making a big assumption here, but the result generally is some something financial, right? You want to improve your financial situation Um, or, you know, and and maybe it's like you want to input the culture of that in a vet clinic that you want, but if you only want the result you will, will not be successful most likely because you need to love the process of getting there. And what you just said, having joy in the experience of getting to that result is what ultimately, in my opinion, would separate people that are going to be successful versus non-successful. Fully agree. And,
2: and jumping on that on top of it too is, and, and this is to point five, so I might be a little bit ahead, but, um, watching your team go through that experience as well. And I'll give a specific. We have a practice management software, which didn't have a lot of uh, structure to it at the start. So we had to build from scratch for a lot of the processes. And we're a brand new clinic. Watching my team evolve in their understanding of the practice management software and take it places that I sure as heck wouldn't be able to. And then watching the joy that they get out of it as an example, checklists for pain. I just watched one of my team members say, yeah, I had t- time to sit down, walk through it, and here's the build, and here's how it's going to fit into our practice management software. Here how it's better for the client, the animal, and us as a practice. You couldn't ask for better. That joy and watching that face-to-face, amazing, because you know everybody's going to win from that, including myself that really was not involved in that process whatsoever.
0: Yeah. Okay, we'll come back to that because that is 0.5. You're trying to hijack the show here. 0.4, how far ahead you need to plan. (laughs) So going back to it, uh, again, previous roles, looking at big builds,
2: you need to be able to foreshadow 10, 15, 20 years in advance based on the investment that you're looking to put down, whether that's from a bank, whether that's within your company, etc., What I've learned as a clinic owner now, with your own money or the bank's money or a combination of your partners, as well as your own, in there is just understanding that dynamic. How far forward you really do have to plan to understand what you're going with, understand your your structure and what you need to do then going backwards to a day to day basis to make it work. It's easy to build a plan on paper. Really hard to execute it in life.
0: Yeah, I don't even know how to put that into words. That gap there of write the plan down. Okay, there's step one. Now execute that in real life with life throwing all the stuff we've talked about at you. There, there's quite a gap that typically plays out there.
2: There really is, and that is a a learning that uh, again in 20 years we'll have the same conversation, and I'll still be learning
0: yeah okay on to point five, which I would argue and I don't know if I've ever ever really said this to you but this is this is in my opinion your strongest uh, characteristic. we've talked about the gap in the gain or not the gap in the gain uh, the big leap and going zone of excellence to zone of genius, my personal opinion uh, this is where kind of your zone of genius lies is in connections and in relationships so, Point number five, you live and die by your teams. Yes and no. I will somewhat agree and somewhat disagree with you
2: on that one. Uh, I completely, like, I love connecting people, love bringing people together and being the cheerleader to to ensure that they have the best chance in their career. Well, my point on this in terms of living and dying by your teams is I am continually fighting my inability to communicate as effectively and succinctly as possible. What I mean by that is when I get it right, I can literally see my team flourish in front of me. When I don't get that communication right, there's confusion, there's headache, and there's more work made as a result of it. Our clients are amazing and we're in this service industry, but it's the team and it's that communication that brings it all together. And that as a business owner is so important.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm optimistic. Um, and I think, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna have a crazy successful career because you're aware of that. Right. I would be far more concerned if you were the type of clinic owner that was, I communicate perfectly. I just don't understand why my team can't understand it. Like, if that's what you were saying, I'd be like, holy red flags. Right. But the fact that you're like, you know, sometimes I get it right. And sometimes I get it wrong. And when I empower my team, like you told, you know, with that, with that protocol, like on, on pain control, when you empower them, it's like, they do it better than you can do it.
2: Agreed. Agreed. I think, um, clinic ownership, you know, we, we've got a business meeting right away here, and then I've got a team meeting again next week. And we do that very frequently within Mosaic on a weekly basis, uh, less words, more action and as well, transparency in the behind the scenes, your team's on your side. Every time I don't do that as a business owner now, confusion, more work, frustration, sometimes people leaving. That is a big deal as a business owner.
0: Yeah, I, I see that. And I mean, I'm not in your team meetings, obviously. I imagine that, like that those are really bonding in a way. You know, when everyone is like, okay, hey, we're in this together, you know, Jonathan is f- like full disclosure, here are the numbers, here are the books. Because I, I think I've said this on a previous podcast, I've worked at places where it's like, you're locked out of seeing the numbers. Like, I will not tell you any of the numbers, shut up and get to work.
2: Yeah. That doesn't feel good, does it?
0: No, it's like, a it's a kick in the balls, you know, like, to be honest, like, that's how it feels like a punch to the gut. And it's like, does that make me want to like work harder under that leadership no it doesn't i agree with
2: you so i'm not going to point six because i got in trouble last time for not having not going to point
0: three so those are our five points i believe that's our five yeah well i'm running it we're keeping it to five because that's what we said so no these are amazing jonathan um it's excellent checking in you know every once in a while with what you're doing at Bridgeland because you're always learning so much. And I know people watching this, like, this is the real stuff that, like, if you want to go open a veterinary clinic, you are going to run into these. So you may as well be aware of them.
2: So true. The other day, when our clinic got broken into, I was pretty pumped. It was Monday morning, pretty excited to get down to the clinic early, and you're driving along the side of the road, you look over and you see the window smashed. And You literally just say F and that's the start of your week. And then you have to regroup in about five minutes before your next team member comes in because they don't need to see that from the boss. They need to see somebody that's got a plan mad for sure. Frustrated for sure. But what's the plan? And that's on the business owner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think of that, you know, if I was pulling up to a vet clinic I worked at and uh, I was the first one there and everything was smashed apart, my first step would be to call the owner. You know, like that's the out you get as an associate. You get to just be like, wow, this is a big problem. I'll call them. You don't got anyone to call. It's like, okay, time to deal with this. Yep, exactly.
2: And there's joy in that as well, too, because as you know, we've had two in March, then you learn as you go and you go, oh. Probably should have had some pieces in there ahead of time that I didn't. That was an oopsie. Won't do that again because it cost me a lot of money, time, frustration. And is there a potential risk safety of my team? Yep. Welcome to Learning Land. I think I've said that about 20 times today. Sorry for everybody on this call.
0: (laughs) No, you don't need to apologize for that. So anyway, that's amazing, Jonathan, that like always wanting to be learning. So anywho... We got to get you out of here for your leadership meeting. This, this is definitely your wheelhouse. So I'm going to shut up now and let you kind of end the episode, putting you on the spot, kind of a final word for anyone considering going into vet ownership. Snap, you didn't even give me a heads up on that. I get the last word to the veterinary community. Your best what? your best stuff, Jonathan, comes when I just push you off the cliff and like tell you, build a parachute right now. Dirty move, dirty move. My last word then for in this, in terms of clinic ownership is...
2: For those individuals that are on the line as to whether they should do it or not, go do it. Go find mentors. The time is ripe. Uh, As my business coach here said last week, he has never seen so many opportunities and he wasn't speaking about the veterinary space, just life in general. Yes, we have issues. Yes, we have problems. Yes, is there a change in veterinary medicine needing to be had? I completely agree with those and and working to help in any little way I can. Overall, uh, if you've got the desire and you want to do it, go do it.
1: Thank you for listening to the Veterinary Project Podcast. As a recap, on behalf of our hosts, the Veterinary Project Podcast will be releasing new episodes weekly. So be sure to tune in as we bring you more conversations aimed at helping you enjoy a life well lived. If you enjoyed what you heard on the show and you want to stay in the know, please like, love, and or subscribe to the podcast on the listening platform of your choosing, as we're available on all the usual suspects. If you know of others that may benefit from these conversations, we'd love it if you please share the show with them, as this will help us grow our community to reach more and more veterinary professionals. Speaking of which, if you are a veterinary professional and would like to get connected with more like-minded individuals who are joining us on this journey, please send an email to theveterinaryprojectpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll invite you to be a part of our private Facebook group. General feedback, requests for information, or perhaps requests to be a guest on the show can also be sent to the Veterinary Project Podcast at gmail.com. Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light, thank you for listening to the show and we'll catch you again next week for another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Bye for now.